How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Welcome, everybody, to Locked On NFL Draft. It is Monday, December 12th. I am Joe Marino of NDT Scouting, joined, as always, by Kyle Krabs, who is the founder and director of scouting at NDT Scouting. We are the Locked On NFL Draft podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We have a podcast for every NFL and NBA team, as well as specialty podcasts like the one you're listening to on the NFL Draft. So we encourage you to take some time and subscribe to your favorite uh, podcast on iTunes and Audio Boom. The show is brought to you by DraftBreakdown.com. Uh, DraftBreakdown.com is where you're going to find me most of the day every day right now uh, on there watching film on these NFL draft prospects. So if you want to do the same, if you want to watch tape and formulate your own opinions based on what these players do on the field, you got to get to DraftBreakdown.com so you can watch a tape for yourself. You can watch an entire game worth of reps from a player, 6 to 10 minutes. It's a fabulous resource. Uh, uh, so get over there to Draft Breakdown. Kyle, happy Monday. What's going on? Uh, happy Monday, Joe. It's a, it's a victory Monday over here. Yeah. It'll be a victory Monday for me <laughs> if I find out that Rex Ryan was fired. Oh, no. <laughs> That's a man's Man. job. He's got a family. Oh, he's getting $27.5 million whether he coaches <laughs> another game or not. Uh, so I'm ready for a Rexless life. Joe, I would say that that comment of yours was quite Rexless. No. Oh. Nicely done. Nicely done. Hey, we've got a we've got an interesting idea for the show tonight that we're going to go go with. Uh, it's that time of year. Kyle and I are grinding tape. You know, it's it's all day long watching these players on draft breakdown and other film sources, writing film reports, and uh, starting to really formulate hard line stances on these prospects. And uh, I, you know, we're mostly focusing on guys who don't have a bowl game left, or you know, teams that didn't qualify. And you know, we want to just kind of take this time today and just kind of dump a bunch of thoughts on everyone here from what we're seeing on tape yeah this is uh this is kind of the beginning of (laughs) a pretty uh, relentless four-month stretch right you got january uh february march is your, your primary film study time since everybody's done putting film on the table but uh for your non bowl eligible players and guys that are hurt um, early entrance, senior bowl guys as they're announced. You can kind of tackle it any way you'd like, um, but this is certainly the start 
of a 16-week stretch in which what we do is it's fun, but it can be uh, pretty pretty cumbersome as far as the, the volume if you want to be as in-depth as what we aim and strive to be. Kyle, do you have a number this year, a number of evals you hope to get done? Uh, 300 again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, I've done 928 in the past three seasons combined. Um, did 328 first year, pared down to 300 in 2015, 2016, another 300 on the table to put me just over 1,200 players evaluated in four seasons. Yeah, I find myself, i got to hit that 300 mark because um, I, I just literally nothing – grinds my gears more than a name getting called uh during the nfl draft on day three and i don't i you know i didn't do my uh, my homework and having uh, an evaluation Dude, on that I, so. I did 300 last year and there was still like i think uh was it 19 i think 19 percent of draft picks i didn't do that's crazy it's like that just really speaks to just you know the spectrum that these guys are, are looking at players Right, like you, you can't look at a look and find and identify top three hundred players in the country and you know, still miss twenty percent, one out of every five. Like it's depressing in a way. It is depressing, but but, but, it, but it's the thrill of the hunt that keeps you coming back. Yeah, and it's it's always so. It's like the best thing where you you feel like you've uh, you've you're deep you know deep at the bottom of the barrel and then you see a guy with some traits that you think. Has a chance, so so you're uh, telling me there's a chance. You're telling me there's, you know what? There's not a chance for the Buffalo Bills to make the playoffs this year. But, oh, Joe, um, you should be used <laughs> to it by now. I am 17 years in a row, Kyle. 18 years after next year, we're going to be adults. We can uh, vote, you know, fill out our draft cards, you know, not not the NFL <laughs> draft, you know, different kind of draft. Let's get into some tape here. Let's Kyle. get into some tape. Guy, the first. I want to talk about that uh, pop for me in the evals that I've done lately is UConn safety Obi Melifonwu, senior bowl uh, accepted invite. So I was really anxious to get eyes on him. Uh, first thing you notice with Melifonwu is the size. Listed at 6'3", 217. Um, he is a big, long safety. And, and uh, he's not one of those guys that you just put in the box and really is just a, a hybrid linebacker. This guy functions as a safety. Really, really good in man coverage against tight ends and bigger slots. You can trust him to line up and stay uh, sticky down the field, carry tight ends into space. Um, he's got a ton of length, which he uses to disrupt at the, at the catch point. Uh, he has very good technique, breaking up passes for his career. 16 passes defense. 18 or eight interceptions so very productive playing the football um and he, and he moves really well so he's not clunky or anything for his size i really feel uh, very good about his fluidity my gripe with with malafonwu is you know for a guy at 63217 there's just there's, there's just a few too many of those opportunities where he can make tackles in space and he doesn't square up. He kind of, you know, he sidesteps and gets along for the ride and and so uh that's something that really bugs me with him but when he's able to be that uh, secondary assisted tackler, you know, he kind of does have more of a tendency to bring some more physicality as a tackler. Now, he doesn't whiff, he doesn't miss tackles, but he is he is that kind of latch-on type of guy. So that rubs me the wrong way. But, uh, you know, every year, I, you know, guys like Jarkiski Tart, uh, uh, maybe this isn't a great example, but Sean Davis, these other safeties like this that uh, are kind of that second tier that everyone says they want to get in the second round, early day two. I think that Obi Melifon, who's going to be that type of prospect, and mm. I think you're really going to like his length at the catch point when you get to his tape, Cal. Interesting. 
Now, now you said one thing that to me really sets up a, a beautiful segue here into uh, our, our next player, and that's one of the names I want to talk about is Boise State linebacker uh, Tanner Vallejo. Uh, Joe, you made mention that uh, th- this is a player that doesn't square up his tackles, and that's a natural transition right into Vallejo's tape. Um, <laughs> Vallejo, I like him, though. I'll tell you what. I think he's he's tough. He played nine games this year. He played with uh, two torn ligaments in his wrist in which he would have to come to the sideline and pop his wrist bones back into place before going back out later in the same series and continuing to play. Uh, really excitable player as far as the movement skills and pass coverage abilities of a linebacker. He's listed in the high 220s. Hips are really loose. A very instinctual player. Does well to identify plays early on, uh, quickly after the snap. He's the first guy to break to the football, plus he's twitched up. So he moves a lot of times at a totally different speed than other uh, the, uh, the other players on the defensive side of the football. Uh, Vallejo's capable of big hits. His big sticking point is he doesn't come to balance because he closes so fast, he gets on top of ball carriers too quickly for his own good, and he'll overrun tackle attempts. So it's a real sticking point, Joe. I know you and I have talked about it, and it's difficult to kind of project a player like that and and figure out where you value a guy that, that can clearly move and clearly has the mental portion of the game, but it's just too damn sloppy as a tackler. Um, I, I don't know how hard I want to really harp on his tackling with a cast on his wrist, um, but the the same issues were there in 2015. But as far as um, instinctual player, strong mental processing, loose hips, quick click and close ability, capable of some big pop because of how quickly he closes down space, uh, a lot of things that check the box for today's style of linebacker, and I see all of those things from Vallejo. I think he's an under-the-radar kind of guy and uh, wanted to give him some love. I just did his evaluation on Saturday, and and I knew I liked him coming into to the film eval because we did him for the preseason senior outlook, but it just really reaffirmed seeing more of the same thing and a lot of positive mental reps. Uh, a, a guy that I would consider if, if I'm pay- facing a lot of teams that like to sling the football and, and need some middle-of-the-field help underneath. Yeah, I've been getting some questions this week on Twitter, particularly for everyone looking for the next uh, Jatavis Brown, you know, the next mid, mid-round mid steal at linebacker that can run, chase, and cover. And uh, Vallejo definitely has that type of, uh, uh, of appeal. Um, here's a guy that I want to get into next is Illinois – uh, edge defender Dwayne Smoot uh, really, really liked what I saw from him uh, after studying his 2015 tape over the summer and uh, noticeable upside as a pass rusher. And that was something that was evident in the 2016 tape that I got into. Um, really like his attack, the way that he attacks pass rushing with working half a man, uh, getting off the ball really quick, uh, getting under pads, working leverage, and, and just kind of being able to turn a tight angle and pressure the quarterback. I think that's still there. You know, the translatable pass rush skill set, what he does at Illinois to get pressure on the quarterback is going to work in the NFL. So that's that right there is is fantastic. Where I really wanted to see more of a jump from Dwayne, Dwayne Smoot this year was in the run defense, and, and I didn't see any improvements. This is a guy who uh, still gets blown out of gaps. You know, when he's getting having to face a drive block, really struggles to have a functional acre and, and squeeze that down. Uh, he can easily get moved. Uh, 
Um, not a whole lot of, uh, of technique, wrong arming blocks and, uh, you know, dealing with pulling blockers and, uh, he can get hooked very easily reached, you know, when that, uh, that offensive tackle or tight end even takes that uh, step with his outside foot and, and works his hips around, he can get pinned inside and lose outside leverage. Um, so I still see a lot of, lot of, uh, discipline issues, you know, not maintaining his run fits and his gap integrity against the run. But, uh, you know, the pass rush upside is still there. Um, and it'll be an interesting, um, interesting to see where he goes. Cause I think he's got that translatable pass rush, but, uh, I think he's a liability against the run and he has a long way to go to, uh, be a reliable every down player in the NFL. Yeah. And that's, um, that that's certainly in line with a lot of what I saw out of Smoot is, is um, traits, 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 and mm-hmm. the the application of it's not quite there yet. Um, but I I still think this is a high ceiling player, and I wouldn't be surprised to see this be uh, an early t- day two selection because teams more often than not they have a profile right for their pass rushers where you have to fit like, X amount of requirements on top of good tape. It's not just, like, if you have good tape, but your arms are too short, there's, like, half the teams in the league won't consider you as a Mm first-round player. And and some of you guys are are probably sitting here listening to this, shaking your head. Uh, I can guarantee you, like, uh, people that I've talked to have worked for teams. There's three teams that I can guarantee you, if you aren't above X amount of height with X amount of arm length as a pass rusher, you're you're not on their board as a first-round player. I like guess just the way it is. Now, now Smoot checks those boxes, and he's smooth. He's got the the the, the nice fluidity to his game. Um, so I I still think he's going to be a coveted player. But I, I actually agree with you that the the strides weren't taken that you wanted to see. Right. Uh, I'm going to keep it in the Big Ten with my next one, another defensive lineman, Malik McDowell. I did McDowell's full on film evaluation. He's a name that I've talked about, you know, on Locked On NFL Draft a number of times, talking about. Uh, how I wish he didn't spend so many reps on the ground. And, I mean, you want to talk about a smooth player, though, Joe. Um, so Some of his transitions, he, he had some really nice flashes of dominance and, and redirection skills and, and looseness through his frame. He's listed at 6'6", 276. I, I just don't know where to put him, right? Um, he, he gets pushed around because he is a little light in the trunk, but... Man, his his redirection ability and his initial step and, and the violence in his hands. He's not always the most precise with his hands, but uh, the the violence that he carries uh, and his initial strikes with his hands uh, have some nice effectiveness to them. So uh, I, I like McDowell. I'm not in love with McDowell. I know some people have McDowell as like a top twenty player on their boards. I don't see anywhere near that that caliber of value. Uh, just because I'm not quite sure what to do with him. But uh, he, he's won around the outside as a pass rusher. He wins on the inside as a pass rusher. He's a penetration player. Um, I like him. I like him a good deal, but I don't love him. It'll be interesting uh, to see how that works. You know, look, looking back on Malik McDowell in a few years, and uh, does the multiplicity of NFL front sevens help him? You know, right. is it? It's not so much uh, you run a pure four three and that's it, and he's going to play three technique or a pure three four. These guys, these odd and even fronts exist on every single scheme in the, in the NFL. So I think uh, the the evolution of NFL defense is going to help a guy like Malik McDowell. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, let's let's keep it on the defensive line. Uh, Eddie Vanderdose, uh, defensive lineman from UCLA, 
coming off the torn ACL uh, from the in the first game of last year. Um, uh, he's able to have a, a healthy season this year. Interesting football player. Um, he uh, he gets off the ball. He gets into his offensive lineman. He rocks him back and resets the line of scrimmage. Very active football player. Strong, functional acre. I'm just not sure that uh, you know his high level of activity translates into a whole lot of plays. You know, it's kind of interesting. Like, um, yeah, I hate to I hate to use the word bowl in a china shop. Because I've used that before and I was wrong. <laughs> All right. All right. I said that about the Neil Hunter. Okay. And, and I wasn't wrong from looking at this, his, his uh, college tape because, you know, this guy was active. He, he, was, uh, he was in the backfield. He was twitched up. Uh, but he didn't make any plays. And so I kind of, you know, obviously we're talking about an edge player and a more of an interior player and Vander knows. But I kind of see the same stuff where this guy's just wrecking stuff, but he's not, it's not leading to any positive defensive football players. Uh, and, and so he's going to be very interesting to me. Um, uh, that skill set is intriguing. You know, obviously it's something I think any defensive line coach would like to have. And uh, there, there's, there's a skill set to, to groom here. But um, I'll be curious to see how effective he is at the next level. I have a lot of notes just about the high the high activity off the ball, the functional anchor. Um, but uh, you know, where's the finishing? Where, where's the where's the instincts that take you to the football? You know, I, I need to see more of that from Vanderdose. But uh, uh, seeing how the NFL values him is going to be something I'm very anxious to see. Yeah, Joe, we need to talk about some offensive players. Oh, there are two sides of the ball here. <laughs> did I go three defense? I did. You did. You went three. I went first, too. Um, <laughs> name that just announced that he was declaring early, uh, Pittsburgh running back James Conner. First of all, this is a hell of a story, right? Uh, first game, 2015, against Youngstown State, coming off being the ACC Player of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year. Tears his meniscus, the, or tears his MCL, then finds out he's – has Hodgkin's lymphoma, um, undergoes chemotherapy, uh, still participating in football drills while while undergoing chemotherapy, by the way, takes 2015 off, is declared cancer-free, back on the team, has rushed for 1,000 yards, um, and he looks, he looks good. I think he looks better as far as a translatable skill set. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he looks better now than what he did before the injury and the cancer diagnosis. It looks like he, he's cut a little weight. He's moving more smoothly. He's, he's got a little more wiggle to him. He's never going to be a, a, a boundary zone stretch guy. He's not a guy that you're, you're going to have a slow play, a press to the line of scrimmage and work sideline to sideline and, and, and cut and make cuts off of that. He's very much a traditional gap man style runner, get him north-south, run him between the tackles. But he's he's got a little something extra to him now. Uh, he, he doesn't have the great long speed, but he's got more burst. His acceleration's there now, whereas more beforehand I thought he was really just really heavy-footed, uh, a big-time sledgehammer, just ran it up inside and was able to, to run through arm tackles and, and carry guys. And He's still got the power. He still lowers the pads. He's a big kid still. He's, I think he's listed 6'1", 6'2", and, and over 230 pounds. Uh, but, but he 
I think has has really done a lot for himself this year, uh, putting positive tape out there in more ways than what he did in 2014, in that he's more versatile, he's able to create a little bit more as far as missed tackles and, and open space ability. He's much more active in the receiving game as a, a delayed release check down and uh, screen player. Uh, strong in pass protection. It's big body. I like how he's aggressive in his pass sets. He goes after guys early and then breaks down as compared to sitting back and catching. He's giving his quarterback more space to operate within the pocket. Uh, so a lot of things that he put on tape, I really liked. And I, I watched four games from this year versus three games for 2014. I I think across the board, he's a better football player this year than he was in 2014. Yeah, I, I thought the same, you know, kind of watching him this year and, um, that dude's tough to tackle, mm-hmm. you know. I, I'm not sure there's, you know, just from a simplicity, you know, of evaluating run back, he's tough to tackle. That's a good thing. Um, and uh, you look at a guy like Legarrette Blunt and the 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 role he's been able to carve out, you know, with the Patriots. You know, I can see James Conner really excelling uh, in that type of of a of a, of a capacity. Oh, so. Yeah, uh, that's going to do it for us, guys. Uh, getting into some of these prospects was a ton of fun. We encourage you, get over to Draft Breakdown. Watch some of the tape of these guys. Let us know what you think. Uh, you can reach out to us on Twitter. Kyle is at NDT Scouting. I am at the Joe Marino. We are on Facebook, uh, NDT, uh, facebook.com slash NDT Scouting, so you can uh, find us there. We, we'd love to continue this discussion on social media. Also, please uh, take some time. Subscribe to the show. Tell a friend if you enjoy what you're listening to. We had, oh my gosh, a record-breaking week last week. So uh, I got a feeling some of you guys were doing that. And we appreciate that very, very, very much. Uh, We want to be your on-demand source for NFL draft content. So uh, we really appreciate it. Tomorrow we're going to get into fact or fiction. Uh, Maybe we're going to have a guest on. We'll see. It's going to be a lot of fun getting into some of these headlines. So signing off for Kyle Krabs, I am Joe Marino, and this is Locked On NFL Draft. Locked On NFL Draft, your daily podcast on the NFL Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fall has arrived at JCPenney, the perfect time to refresh your home. From now until Sunday, get up to 50% off select comforter sets, furniture, and the most comfortable mattresses from top brands like Tempur-Pedic, Sealy, Beautyrest, and more. And save 50 to 60% on select sheet sets, plus an extra 15% with your coupon on select home items. Hurry and soon. That's getting your pennies worth. JCPenney. Coupon valid 928-109 on select home items, furniture, and mattresses. Price is valid 928-101. Selections vary by store while supplies last. Saving on regular and original prices. Intermediate markdowns may have been taken. Some exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details.